Democracy in action. You heard what Colorado just did. The Supreme Court of Colorado in favor of democracy. Are you kidding me? Said that Donald Trump can't be on the ballot in November of 2024. If you live in Colorado, according to them, right now, as of today, you can't vote for Donald Trump. Now, this will be brought up to the Supreme Court. I do think that President Trump will prevail, but that's the situation right now. No Donald Trump in Colorado. Granted, it's a blue state, but you know what? 5.8 million people live there, nine electoral votes. This is a very, very bad situation, right? I'm going through this thing right now. It's like everything else. It's like the January 6th uh, report. It's like those Jack Smith indictments. It's not legal. It is political. What do they call it? Lawfare. Warfare, but law, law, lawfare. This is a way to get Trump. They make it seem like it's legal, but it's really a political vendetta. I don't think it's going to stand. Who passed this thing right now? Where, let me see those guys. These are the Supreme Court justices of the Calif Colorado State Supreme Court. The only thing I can think is uh, maybe they were high, right? Isn't uh, marijuana totally legal in Colorado? I don't know, but I do know this. It's not democratic. No way. And what does the other side say all the time? That Trump, he's the threat to democracy. Remember, they just said the people of Colorado can't vote for who they want to vote for. Hey, some people in Colorado want to vote for Trump. You've heard this before, right? I happen to believe Donald Trump is a threat to democracy. Donald Trump is a threat to democracy. Trump's threat to democracy. We've seen it happen over and over, and there's a pattern. Donald Trump is a threat to democracy and should be prosecuted. Right. It's like uh, it's background noise for the American people. It's always there. Now, if you're watching this show, you are you're immune to it. You know better. You see through it. But a lot of people don't. What are they saying? That Donald Trump, according to the 14th Amendment, cannot be a president or run for president? Oh, my goodness gracious. A lot of do I have to read all that? I don't want to read all that, but somewhere in there it says, if you engage, here we go, if you have engaged in an insurrection or rebellion against the same or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof, but Congress may be of a vote of two-thirds of each house, remove such a disability. What? All right. They're saying because of January 6th, Donald Trump can't be on the ballot. Can I see that ballot again? Because of January 6th, they are taking Trump off. They are saying that Trump actually, well, led a violent insurrection. Now, we know that's not true. We know that is a fake news, Democrat, deep state lie. But they sure do stick to it, huh? They are very disciplined, the left. And what they won't show you is what I'm about to show you, really. All the evidence you need to let Trump off the hook and to implicate one of the most important Democrats alive today. Take a look. I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you. I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard. That peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard, that phrase can't find it in the January 6th report. You won't see it in the January 6th uh, committee hearings that we were all subjected to. You don't see that phrase in this crazy decision that I am going through right now. And Mark Levin style, I'm actually going to take a crack at it. I'm not a lawyer, but I am a citizen and I can read. And I know politics when it's right in front of my face. This is not a legal document. So 
they're giving the background on the facts here, and they dwell on January 6th a lot. Donald Trump spoke to the attendees in his speech, which began around noon, and here it gets all political. President Trump persisted in rejecting the election results, telling his supporters that we won in a landslide and we will never concede. These are, these are quotes out of context, right? He urged his supporters to confront this egregious assault on our democracy, unquote. Quote, walk down to the Capitol and show strength, unquote. And if they did not, quote, fight like hell, they would not have a country anymore, unquote. Before his speech ended, portions of the crowd began moving toward the Capitol. Below, we discuss additional facts regarding the events of January 6th as relevant to the legal issues before us. It's fascinating. Their summary of that speech, they portray it in the darkest light possible, eliminating anything that's uh, factual but exculpatory, exculpatory that would lend to his innocence, huh? Let's see here. What else? Uh, oh, the January 6th report, the one that Liz Cheney, forget that for a moment. We're done with the speech. The January 6th report, they say that that was admissible evidence. They base this ruling on stuff from the January 6th report. And they say President Trump claims the report was biased against him because all nine committee members voted in favor of impeaching him before their investigation began. They bring in some guy named Timothy Heafy, the chief investigative counsel, and he says, such hypothesis did not impair the members' ability to be fair and impartial. Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger, Adam Schiff were fair and impartial. The district court found Mr. Heavey's testimony on this subject to be credible and held that any perceived animus of the committee member towards President Trump did not taint the conclusions of the January 6th report in such a way that would render them unreliable. Remember this, the January 6th report did not did not even address the massive security failures that day and remove the phrase peaceful and patriotic. Let's see here. Second, the report explained that Chief of Staff Mark Meadows, ah, this is about hearsay. So they're going off of the report. There is a report that says somebody said something that somebody said something. Chief of Staff Mark Meadows told White House Special Counsel Pat Cipollone that President Trump, quote, doesn't want to do anything, unquote, to stop the violence. The fact that this statement is hearsay is irrelevant. The district court expressly noted that it has only considered those portions of the January 6th report which are referenced in this order, blah, 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 blah. President Trump's embedded hearsay argument is unavailing. They're not convinced. You can have hearsay evidence, even if it's from some other report. We conclude that the district court did not abuse its discretion by admitting portions of the January 6th report into evidence. Are you serious? We have little difficulty concluding that substantial evidence in the record supported each of these elements and that, as the district court noted, the events of January 6th constituted an insurrection. What about the doors that were left open? What about all the people who did not break anything or hurt anybody? What about Antifa? What about Antifa? What about those people who removed the bike rack so people could come in? Let's see here. Contrary to President Trump's assertion that no evidence in the record showed that the mob was armed with deadly weapons or that it attacked law enforcement officers in a manner consistent with a violent insurrection, the district court found, and this is where you and I come in, millions of people saw on live television, recordings of which were introduced into evidence in this case, 
that the mob was armed with a wide array of weapons. Now they're making gross judgments that, they, that are not based in fact. They did not evaluate the television coverage from January 6th. Think for a moment. Did you see anybody there with a gun on January 6th? What weapon did you see? A flagpole? Can we have a discussion about whether or not that's a weapon? And it goes on like this. It goes on like this. It is thoroughly and completely political. President Trump, um, <laughs> they're trying to cancel him, but it's not working. I'll have more to say about this a little bit later in the show. Perhaps this is a scam. We're counting on the Supreme Court, but they are, you never know these days, with John Roberts in charge. Okay, putting that aside, just the latest attempt to cancel President Trump, who is uncancelable. When did they start giving up the streets to the anarchists? Uh, it's been going on for a while. I guess I first noticed it during Black Lives Matter. But right now, pro-terrorist uh, mobsters, rioters, can take over any bridge, any roadway, any train station they want. And it's, well, they lie about it, the media. They tell us this is a peaceful protester. What if you are in the back of an ambulance and you need to get over that bridge? What if you want to get home? That's not a peaceful protest. Big cities across the country are taking the sides, the political leadership taking the sides of, of the pro-terrorist people, especially here in New York. Oh, boy. We have a huge problem in New York City. And his name is Eric Adams. He is incompetent. He is bad at politics. He is bad at governing. He doesn't even live in New York. <laughs> and this is what he said, actually, is good about New York. His, his answer here, what's good about New York right now? What sums up New York? Check this out. When you look at the totality of the year, if you had to describe it, and it's tough to do, in one word, what would that word be? And tell me why. Uh, New York. Uh, this is a place where every day you wake up, uh, you could experience everything from a plane crashing into our trade center to a, a person who's celebrating a new business that's open. Uh, this is a very, very complicated city, and that's why it's the greatest city on the globe. Yeah, you get up out of bed, you don't know what's going to happen. You might be opening a new business or the victim of uh, a terrorist attack, huh? What kind of craziness is this? This is a great city. Now, yeah, we had a horrible terrorist attack. He's saying that that's a good thing. That's a good thing somehow. Now, Eric Adams has been confronted with this idiocy, and he displays it a lot. It's our problem. We're the problem here. I'm authentic, and I'm going to talk the way New Yorkers talk. And I think it's an insult as someone who served during 9-11. Served during 9-11. I didn't read about it. I didn't hear about it. I lost very dear friends and colleagues. See what he did, how he flipped that? He's a victim. He's just being authentic. He's keeping it real. Yeah, anything can happen in New York. That's what it's all about right now, victimhood. Kristen Fleming of the New York Post put it this way. I think it's totally brilliant. Break that out for me. She says, the only thing our society now holds valuable is victimhood, and it is to be invoked at any opportunity to shift blame. You know who did it? The guy who was having sex in the Senate Judiciary Committee. Yeah, that Senate staffer? He's running around saying that he's being persecuted and made fun of because he's LGBTQ, because he's gay. <laughs> he's a victim. Hey, 
It might even work for them. Check them out. Reality TV or OnlyFans or maybe even Cameo. America used to be a straightforward place, right? We had good, we had bad, we had rules, we had right, we had wrong. Straightforward, uncomplicated, and easy to do or understand. Now, not that life in America was easy, but we had standards. We had a culture. We don't have that anymore. George Washington, father of our country, made sense, right? He was a great general, had great ability, great wisdom. Of course he'd be the president of the United States. Now we have, uh, bad. How is it that one of the worst speakers probably in the country is the president of the United States? How did, isn't that what you want out of a president? He's got to be able to speak well. He has to be wise. He has to have intelligence or she, he, everybody's holding their breath. What's he going to do next? He gave a very mediocre eulogy at Sandra Day O'Connor's funeral today, and then he sat down by the coffin, mouth agape, looking, quite frankly, like, well, kind of like a baby. The whole affair was kind of odd, to be honest. Sandra Day O'Connor, great lady, I'm sure, justice. The funeral carried live, I mean, from beginning to end on CNN. I mean, we heard it all. We heard the well, we heard the homily, we heard, we heard everything, with the eulogy, and then we heard uh, the readings, and MSNBC did the same thing. The whole thing, without commentary, without people saying anything. Um, now, Sandra Day O'Connor, great lady, but, you know, she did die, I'm sorry, she retired from the court in 2005. So it's not like she was a sitting U.S. justice, right? I don't know. I, the coverage seemed to be kind of over the top. CNN had a big panel and they actually changed all their like signage. The funeral of Sandra Day O'Connor. And I started to think like, okay, I thought she was conservative. She was appointed by Ronald Reagan. That's all I really know. But I had a feeling she must have made liberals happy along the way somehow, right? And she did. How O'Connor and the court have drifted leftward. It has become increasingly common over the past two decades to see Sandra Day O'Connor side with the Supreme Court's four most liberal justices. An article in The Atlantic some time ago. So you compare this coverage to what they did to poor Antonin Scalia when he passed away. During his funeral, there was constant, constant commentary about what a crummy justice they thought he was and who's going to come next. From a purely, you know, practical political point of view, there are four liberals on that court, there are four conservatives, and some president, whether it's this one or the next one, is going to pick Justice Scalia's replacement and his legacy. You see? I mean, today they let us listen to the music in peace. Again, on another channel with Scalia, even Brian Williams, remember him? Listen. And Andrea Mitchell, um, this, while we are deferring some of the uh, talk of politics given the events of today, the events of tonight will put the spotlight right back on politics as we're into Yeah, right back on politics, coverage. right in the middle of the funeral, of which they, they were so solemnly and oddly quiet today because it was somebody who leaned left, perhaps. And for Scalia, Obama didn't even go to the funeral. Obama blew it off. No President Obama. He was the president in early 2016. Blew it off. Just didn't go. Anyway, something else I saw today at this funeral got me thinking. Who was sitting in the, in the pew there? Kavanaugh. Justice Kavanaugh. Can we see a picture of him, please? Yep. You know, I thought about what he went through and 
the terrible moment that was for our country and how everything is different now. We have no rules. We have no state. Everything is unspoken. Everything is weird, not straightforward. More on that when we come back. All right, again, Kavanaugh there, Associate Justice Kavanaugh. What was it, five years ago, going through those hearings? And it was awful, awful for him, awful, I think, for the country. That lady came forward, what was her name? Christine Blasey Ford, with a lot of help from a lot of lawyers. Where do those lawyers come from, huh? Um, she told the story, and it was a story, not a shred of corroborating evidence. Zilch, she couldn't even prove that she had ever even met uh, Kavanaugh, what's his first name again? Kavanaugh, Patrick Kavanaugh, Brett Kavanaugh. Do you remember? I believed he was going to rape me. I tried to yell for help. When I did, Brett put his hand over my mouth to stop me from yelling. This is what terrified me the most and has had the most lasting impact on my life. All right, that's awful. That is an awful accusation. It sounds like an awful episode. It was an awful episode if it actually happened, but she could not establish that Brett did it. And that's what terrifies me. The entire country stopped and listened to this person who had no evidence, didn't know when it happened, how it happened. If she had ever even met Brett Kavanaugh, she could not prove it. Yet the whole country stopped and listened and put that man through hell, damn near destroyed his life. I mean, the outcry, people were showing up at his house with guns, real guns, not a flagpole. Tara Reid, meanwhile, do you even remember the name? This is a very nice woman. I think she's somewhat troubled. Everybody has had troubles. She's had her troubles. But she could prove that she worked for Joe Biden in the 1990s, and she alleged that Joe Biden sexually assaulted her. He had his hands um, under, underneath my clothes, and um, it, was, it happened all at once. I wanted to say stop, and I thought it. I don't know if I said it, but sometimes you know, when I ha I've had a couple bad dreams or a few bad dreams about it, I wake up yelling that. I wake up yelling, stop. All right. So and then he, um, this is not proof positive of anything, but she brought evidence to the table. She brought evidence and she could establish that. Yes, she actually worked at the U.S. Senate for Joe Biden. She recalled the time. She explained full details. She knew about people present events that had happened just prior. Uh, she said she reported the uh, episode. She actually ultimately reported it to police. Her mother phoned into Larry King Live. We looked it up. She talks about a very important person on Capitol Hill and her daughter worked for her. It's her voice from uh, uh, San Luis Obispo, California, someplace like that. Yet she is brushed aside. Nobody takes it seriously. So America is not straightforward. America is kind of like Russia back when it was communist. It was a totally hypocritical society, and they had rules and they had laws, but they had unwritten rules and unwritten laws, and that's kind of what you had to operate on to get by in the Soviet Union. It's the same thing in America now. Unwritten rules, you can say certain things about certain things at certain times, but not about this, only that, if it's Sunday, and the rest. Take a look at this, please.
And the Republican Party used to be the party of government out of your lives, government out of your bedroom, and now they want to use government to control every aspect of your life. The Republican Party is no longer the party of small government, is no longer the party of, you know, uh, staying out of my bedroom. Government interference, whether it's in the bedroom or with parenting decisions, uh, this is where Republicans have real vulnerability. Republicans actually are about liberty. I'm not a Republican, by the way. I'm not a Democrat. I only vote in general elections. But remember, liberty used to be a big thing. Liberty, liberation, not anymore. You know who's really interested in what goes down in the bedroom? Democrats, especially when it's a Republican bedroom. Take a minute and join me for a cautionary tale about stones and glass houses. Conservative husband and wife have now admitted to at least one consensual threesome with a longtime friend of Christian's. And Christian is being accused of rape by that woman. A co-founder of Moms for Liberty is caught up in a sex scandal involving sex with another woman. The Moms for Liberty co-founders are now scrambling to distance themselves from Bridget Ziegler and amid her and her husband's scandal. But the damage is done. All right. So a couple of things here. Um, Mr. Ziegler is the chair of the Republican Party in Florida. And this is everyone's feasting on it because, ooh, Republicans and Moms for Liberty, you know, they stand up for children. They're trying to say because these folks are Christian that they're hypocritical somehow because this situation has come to light. By the way, no allegations have been proven. But let's say for a moment that uh, there was some sort of... Um, threesome going on in their household. No one is alleging that children were involved. And that's the big thing about Moms for Liberty. Keeping children innocent while they're children. Keeping unnecessary sexuality, hypersexuality out of the schools. These kinds of scenes. Okay? Hey, you're 18 and over. Have at it. Moms for Liberty really don't have too much to say about what adults do with other adults. And I feel really bad for them because the Moms for Liberty have done so much for this country and so much for children. I wish the Zieglers good luck. I mean, I have to say this, though. The allegations against Mr. Ziegler must be investigated. And if they're proven true, well, he's in a lot of trouble and I can't support him. But right now he's an innocent man. Please keep that in mind. All right. Do we have time for Governor Hochul? Huh? Huh? We will when I come back. It's true, I am an America first, liberty loving Latino. That's why I know this country is worth fighting for. That's why the Chris Salcedo Show will always tell you the truth. The Chris Salcedo Show, for the news you need to know. Hi, it's Tony Marino, host of the Newsmax Daily Podcast, your daily news bulletin of Newsmax's top headlines, along with commentary from our hosts and experts. You can learn more about all of the free podcasts, including Newsmax Daily, Rob Carson, and Jerry Callahan at Newsmax.com slash listen. This is not official military training video. This is GoPro camera from a well, a Houthi terrorist group. You've heard of the Houthis? They're raging all over the Middle East, especially in the waterways, taking over ships, conducting legitimate commerce. This is right out of that movie, Captain Phillips, right? I am the captain now. This, uh, this group, they're called the Houthis. Houthis, and they come from Yemen, uh, that country on the Arabian Peninsula. Houthis, and technically Houthis are what? I think we have an official definition. That's what they look like. A Shiite Muslim political and military organization from Yemen. 
they've become, uh, well, mentioned a lot in the media lately. Who are these guys? What does it mean? Uh, they seem to pose a significant threat. Let's bring in Fred Flights and Kenneth Gray. Fred, of course, the America First Policy Institute expert, Newsmax contributor, veteran of the Trump administration. He just asked, wrote about the Houthis. And Kenneth Gray, the former FBI agent, counterintelligence expert. Gentlemen, welcome, Fred. I'm not up on the Houthis. We got to get up on the Houthis. Who are the Houthis? Tell us more. Well, the Houthis are a sub. They have a subsect of Shiite Islam. They're they're Shiites like the Iranians, and they're not quite the same. But they are an Iranian terrorist proxy. And when people think that, they think of some ragtag group of terrorists. The Wall Street Journal has said this group of terrorists may be more dangerous than Hezbollah. They have ballistic missiles and attack drones with a range of 1,000 miles. They can strike Israel from Yemen. And you saw on the map how far away that is. And you know, what I find so frightening about this is that they are so well armed with so many missiles. What is Iran doing here? You know how far Iran is from, from Israel? About 1,000 miles. Is this a test run by Iran's terrorist proxy before Iran decides to fire missiles at Israel? We have to think about that. And concerning these missile attacks, it looks like the Houthis they are not scared at all about U.S. efforts to put together a naval coalition to stop their attacks on shipping. You know, I want to go back to Captain Phillips. When they approached that uh, Maersk, Alabama ship, they were on a crummy little boat. This was a helicopter. This was a helicopter, and they, they looked very, very well organized. Uh, Kenneth, can you tell us uh, what we should know? And also, just so I know, these people are not in charge of Yemen. I know Yemen is a pretty chaotic place. Are they running the country? No, they're not. Uh, Yemen is actually at war with the Houthis. Uh, they've been fighting for about 10 years. Uh, and Yemen and uh, the Houthis are at war with Saudi Arabia. So uh, the Houthis want to get involved in this conflict in Israel, but they would have to travel by land across Saudi Arabia to get there, which they're not going to do. So their ability to strike uh, out at the Israelis is by doing airstrikes, missiles, drone attacks. But they have much closer targets by striking out at first Israeli uh, commercial vessels and now any commercial vessels within the Red Sea. All right. Now, Jake Sullivan, the national security advisor who, uh, gosh, just keeps getting everything wrong, it seems like. But uh, here he is sounding wobbly when it comes to the Hutus. Take a look. Houthis, right? The, the Houthis represent a material threat to freedom of navigation, to commercial shipping, to lawful commerce. The United States is working with the international community, with partners from the region and from all over the world to deal with this threat. We are building uh, a coalition. We are working to ensure that and rally the nations of the world, all of whom have an interest in seeing this stop. Can I see the uh, video of the helicopter going on that boat again? You know, I mean, just the antiseptic way he puts this, a material threat to lawful commerce, and we are working with our partners to develop a contingency plan that will ultimately, I mean, look, we see it. It's bad. It needs to be stopped. And I think, I think we have a military equipped to do this kind of thing, Fred. Stop it. Yeah, and I forgot to mention the Houthis also have anti-ship cruise missiles, which terrorist groups normally don't have. And I mean, the issue here is that these attacks have been taking place since just after the October 7th 
terrorist attack against Israel, and we did nothing about it. We've just intercepted the missiles. We've done nothing to stop the Houthis from firing. And after it was announced last week we're putting together this big coalition, the Houthis attacked three more ships and shot 15 attack drones at Israel. Now, fortunately, they were all shot down, but the Houthis only have to get lucky once for them to score the propaganda victory of either hurting Israel or doing serious damage to a ship. And you heard what Jake Sullivan said, Ken. It sounded it sounded weak. It sounded like, you know, we're going to have a bunch of meetings and phone calls and seminars and Zooms. And meanwhile, these guys are taking over ships with Americans on them, uh, potentially. So uh, there has been a task force, a naval task force for over a year now that have been patrolling the the area there, the Red Sea uh, and the uh, approach to the Red Sea, the, the agency. Um, and that task force has been trying to protect vessels for the last year. But we've called for an increase in the size of that task force. Uh, there are now 10 nations that are um, now members of this task force. But despite the announcement of Operation Prosperity Guardian today, uh, the Houthis are still conducting attacks. And so uh, the uh, the Kearney, uh, the USS Kearney, has been conducting uh, defensive operations for the last month and a half. They've shot down a number of drones and missiles. Uh, and so this is an ongoing protection uh, operation, but uh, it really needs to be a lot more effective. Meanwhile, commercial yeah. shipping has been avoiding the area. They've been told not to go in there because it's too dangerous. There have been pirates around there for a long time. I actually remember back in the 90s as well. Uh, but Prosperity, Prosperity Guardian, I think uh, it sounds insufficient. Do these guys want to hit the United States? They would if they could, Fred, very quickly, and I think they might be able to. They don't have missiles capable of hitting the United States, but they have missiles capable of hitting numerous U.S. bases throughout the region. And they have so many missiles. As I said, they only have to get uh, lucky once. Well, what Our I mean by that, actually, good, Fred, if they, they could actually send people over here, or is that not what is on their agenda? They could send people over here. We have a, we have a wide open border, after all. Is that Absolutely. part of their agenda? Sure. No. Well, I, I mean, I think we have to assume that members of numerous terrorist groups have penetrated the U.S. southern border under Joe Biden. Terrorists, Chinese spies, Iranians, Russians, you name it. They're all getting in. All right, let me take a look at the Houthis one more time. They may have a couple of missiles, but we have, well, we have our military. And um, let me see what they look like. Let's see that map again, the Houthis. There they are. Look, you can't tell much from the picture. I don't know, but I don't like it. I don't like it at all. The Houthis, watch out. Thank you, gentlemen, very, very much. Fred Flights and Kenneth Gray will be right back. What liberals love to do before Al Sharpton, Kathy Hochul, the governor of New York State, is signing a bill to um, make a reparation commission happen. Yeah, reparations. They want to uh, look back at slavery in the 1700s and the 1800s and figure out how much in damages should be uh, paid to people today. This is so divisive, so backwards, so wrong, but it makes her feel good. 
It makes her feel like a virtuous person, and it increases her power and status in the Democrat Party and diminishes basically everybody else. And I mean everybody, no matter what you look like. More on that. Can't believe it's happening here in New York. California is one thing, but in New York, we're better than this. All right. Are you watching much Netflix? You know Jeffrey Dahmer? His father died the other day, Lionel Dahmer. Jeffrey Dahmer was the guy who ate all those people, right, in Milwaukee? I mean, a terrible, terrible story. His father wrote a book about his son, and I actually read it back in the 1990s, a very sensitive thing. You know, what do you do when your son grows up to be a serial killer like that? Anyway, it got me into Netflix, which I don't watch very often, but there's a show, Monster, the Jeffrey Dahmer story, and I am totally hooked. It came out about a year ago, but I've been watching this thing, and it's, it's incredibly compelling, but it's also a waste of time because it's not exactly a whodunit. I know what happened. I don't want to be addicted to TV, but here I am addicted to TV. And uh, it's a very professionally done show, and it's entertaining, but it's also infuriating because I remember, and this happened, Jesse Jackson shows up. Jesse Jackson shows up and says that uh, the community, the police were racist because they didn't catch Jeffrey Dahmer sooner because he was, uh, well, eating primarily people of color. And somehow the police did not take that seriously. And that mindset, what Jesse Jackson was talking about, I don't buy it, by the way. It, you know, it's everywhere. It's, it's very fashionable to say these types of things. So when we see Dylan Roof or Jeffrey Dahmer, anybody committing crimes against people of color, or particularly black people, white people are not held accountable in mass for those for those actions or held responsible. You know, instead of saying, what did you just say? People go, mm-hmm, 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 and then they move on. Um, now, they ultimately did get Jeffrey Dahmer, right? They got him. And Jesse Jackson did show up, and maybe the police could have been more responsive, but... People complain about the police sometimes, even in the early 1990s. Jeffrey Dahmer was working and living. He was working as an entry-level guy at a chocolate factory, living in a poor neighborhood. And they don't point this out. I noticed the victims, yeah, they were primarily black, but maybe he was primarily attracted to people of color. Who knows? And there were a couple of white victims there as well, actually several. I don't know. I don't know. I probably shouldn't be watching the Jeffrey Dahmer story. Uh, there are so many other things to do and read, uh, like this great big opinion from, from the Colorado Supreme Court. Big tech wants us hooked on this kind of stuff. They really do. And it can get you thinking all kinds of weird stuff. But I can't wait for the next episode. I'll be right back. In a radical change in policy, Pope Francis formally approved allowing priests to bless same-sex couples. Pope Francis breaking with tradition, allowing priests to bless same-sex couples. This is a big deal. At the Vatican, an important shift by Pope Francis in recognizing same-sex couples. Pope Francis with what some are calling an early Christmas present for same-sex couples. Uh, I don't know about that, actually. I'm going through this this declaration from the Vatican, and I don't know if it says what they just said it says, um, but I want to bring in Brian Birch, president of Catholic Vote. It's a nonprofit political advocacy group, and their mission is to inspire every Catholic in America to live out the truths of our faith in public life. Uh, Brian, welcome. How are you? Very good to be here. Uh, exciting times as we head into Christmas here in the Catholic Church. 
and a bit confusing. Uh, first off, I do have the declaration, I believe, from the Vatican. Are those people that you just heard, are they overstating and oversimplifying what Pope Francis did? They are indeed. In fact, the secular mainstream press is uh, declaring this a huge victory, a, a massive landmark ruling or a, a major doctrinal shift. And of course, none of that is true. Uh, that doesn't mean, however, uh, that there is not massive confusion as a result of this decision. Uh, the Vatican spent 5,000 words in that document you have uh, going out of its way to explain that this did not, does not change the church's teaching on marriage, that these are still irregular unions, that the church has no power, by the way, to change the de definition of marriage found in scripture and in nature, uh, but instead wanted to send a gesture uh, to those that are seeking to live in uh, fidelity to the church, uh, that they would be able to request a spontaneous blessing. It can't take the form of a liturgical rite. It can't look like a marriage. It can't be dressed up to look like a marriage. Uh, but the fact is, the secular press, and frankly, a lot of the LGBT activists, both inside and outside the church, are treating this as um, a key stepping stone towards their goal, which is uh, to totally destroy the Catholic Church's understanding of human sexuality. Well, all right. Now, by the way, this would apply, you know, look, I happen to be heterosexual. Uh, I also, before I was married, happened to live with the person I'm now married to, okay? We could not present ourselves in church and say, hey, we got this uh, arrangement, please bless us, right? It's the same thing. I mean, it's, I don't want to use the word illicit, but it's illicit, just like an LGBTQ arrangement would be, correct? Well, yes and no. The, the document talks about blessing of couples, and yet the blessing that it authorizes is blessing for individuals that may be in a same-sex relationship. And so there is no blessing of a same-sex union allowed in this document. Right. And it's okay. interesting because there was no prohibition against blessing of individuals to begin with, and that's why a lot of us are confused why this was necessary in the first place. And I'll read from uh, part 11 here. Since the church has always considered only those sexual relations that are lived out within marriage to be morally illicit, the church does not have the power to confer its liturgical blessing, as you mentioned, when that would somehow offer a form of moral legitimacy to a union that presumes to be a marriage or to an extramarital sexual practice. The Holy Father reiterated the substance of this declaration. All right. But you know what? Here we go again. It makes the news, and we're talking about the part that is controversial and divisive instead of the part that is really awesome and great. I mean, and I think that's almost part of their plan. Am I, you know, the, the, our enemy's plan. You know, I don't think you can dismiss that possibility that the creation of the confusion is part of the plan, and certainly time will tell. Again, the Pope, the Church, has no power to change the definition of marriage. What it does have is the prudential judgment to discover and to come up with ways to try to meet people where they are and to welcome them back into relationship with Jesus Christ. And that is the role of the church. How it does so, however, can be confusing. And I think in this case, it sent the message that somehow that same-sex unions are, that the Catholic Church is one step closer to endorsing same-sex unions, and that's just simply not true. Well, I always love the idea that the church, that the pope, that uh, the faith can go anywhere. John Paul II, some people may remember that, I guess, a year after that attempted assassination, a year or so, 
He went to the jail, the prison, to meet with his would-be assassin and sat with him. And I think he accepted his confession or offered him a blessing. I mean, I think that kind of stuff is absolutely beautiful. All right. So bottom line. Well, what, that's an important ahead. point, though, because when he did go to that prison, what did that prisoner do? He asked for forgiveness. And when the church comes and meets people where they are, it's on God's terms. And the call of mercy also has to be met with repentance by the penitent, whether you're a homosexual or heterosexual. What is your bottom line right now on the Pope, Pope Francis? There was one point where, you know, you couldn't say anything bad about the Pope, right? He was infallible according to some doctrine, but what's the deal with Pope Francis, bottom line? Well, he can be infallible under certain circumstances, not in this case. He is still a human being, all of us are, and he's subject to making errors. He's older, obviously he's 87. Uh, he might likely is not going to be ahead of the church for very long. And the next papacy, I think, is going to have to clarify some of this confusion because there is no getting around the fact that many Catholics in the wake of this announcement um, are disillusioned, confused. And the church needs to be that voice of moral clarity that I think many Catholics and even non-Catholics look to it to be. Brian Birch, bottom, finally, um, how did you come to all of this? And, and tell us a little bit more about Catholic Vote. Catholic Vote is a lay group. That means we uh, are aligned with the church, but we operate not as priests or bishops. We're people in the pews, and we rally and inspire and help spread uh, the truths of the faith in public life, whether it's elections or whether it comes to controversies like this or like the L.A. Dodgers last summer where we pushed back hard against the attacks on our church. And uh, millions of Catholics follow us and help us uh, to help uh, bring the truths of our faith into American public life. And hopefully uh, give Catholics uh, the voice that they deserve. Oh, those crazy sisters, right? That was so perverse. Well, anyway, listen, I'm glad you came to uh, uh, our show and Catholic Vote to be continued. Thank you very much, Brian Birch. What's your website, please? Uh, it's catholicvote.org. I would glad to have people sign up to keep track of what we're up to. Thank you, sir. And we'll be right back. Good night. No baby pictures tonight, sorry. I will tomorrow. All the best. Hey guys, it's Carson. Christmas is almost here, and I've got a really great gift idea for you. Why don't you give yourself the new streaming service Newsmax Plus? Move over, woke Netflix and Disney Plus and Hulu. Just start Newsmax Plus. I just subscribed. I love it. Get Newsmax Best Shows with Rob Schmidt, Eric Bowling, Greta Von Susteren, Greg Kelly, and more. You also get lots of movies, documentaries, history, comedy. Newsmax Plus just launched and more than 180,000 people have signed up. Newsmax Plus lets you watch the Newsmax channel on your phone or home TV app. And Newsmax Plus is the only streamer to give you all the Donald Trump rallies. Fox News censors most of them. So get Newsmax Plus today. It's free to start. Just go to Newsmax Plus, spell out the plus, dot com. Again, start your free trial by going to NewsmaxPlus.com. That's NewsmaxPlus.com. Millions are switching to Newsmax, so try it for free today.